Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this live playback of 30 Minutes to President's Club. Yes, a couple weeks ago, Nick and I spoke at Outreach Unleashed, and we broke down how to close deals at power using what's called the Golden Path. But there was one twist. We were breaking down how we use the Golden Path to sell to Outreach. So you're going to see that step-by-step -step broken down, and guess what? We even did it inside of a mutual action plan or what many people know as Outreach's success plans product. So a special shout out to one, the amazing Outreach marketing team for helping us put this together. Two, their amazing sales engineering team for putting together a literal demo environment that we could run this out of. And then three, for Allie over at Outreach who actually let us feature her as the marquee prospect in this presentation. And the last thing that I'll say is there are a couple templates that we give away and outlines that you can follow along with. Go get those at 30mpc.com backslash unleash, link in the show notes. And a three, two, one, let's ride. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this live episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and there is my dearest disappearing co-host, Nick Sigelski, and we are live at Unleash. And today, folks, everybody knows the keys to winning success are not keeping deals below the line, but bringing your deals above the line, especially today when budgets are getting slammed left and right. And so we are not talking about how to close deals below the line. We're talking about how to close deals at power with what we call the golden path, the yellow brick road to close your deals when you get access to an executive. Nick. Why should people listen? So most deals that most salespeople work, us included, start with a champion. And then you fight, fight, fight throughout the whole deal cycle to get up to an executive. But there are some deals that start at the C-suite or they start with an SVP. And if you run those deals the same way that you run deals that you originate with a champion, someone a director or manager level, you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot and lose. And so we're gonna be talking about how you should be winning those deals and running them differently when you originate with an executive. And this would not be a 30 minutes to president's club session if we kept it theoretical or we kept it academic today. We are going to give real examples of a real deal that you and I are working right now with the greatest prospect in the world, which is outreach. So we're going to be giving examples of a deal that we are working right now with Outreach that is following the same golden path process. That's exactly right. There are three steps to breaking down the golden path. Number one, we're going to give you an overview of the golden path. What are the different steps that you take when you start a deal at power to get down up at their priorities, down to the department leads, and then go back to power to win the deal? But then step two, we need to dive into what happens in each one of those meetings. Specifically, what are the keys to executive discovery versus champion level discovery, for example? And then lastly, number three, you're probably wondering why the heck are there a bunch of beach balls on stage? Well, sort of like, you know, puppy needs toys, Nick needs toys for himself as well. But the last piece is we will be popping some beach balls on the audience in some live Q&A. So if you got questions along the way, we will have mic runners at the end. So keep yourself prepared. On that note, let's dive in to the golden path. Very many of you folks are familiar with the three levels of the power line. There are folks who are at, above, and below. The folks who are at the line are oftentimes the champions of your deal. They're the folks who are going to own the solution. They're also oftentimes the folks who are going to be shepherding you throughout a sales process. They're the folks who are above the line, and those are oftentimes the executive sponsors, the people who say yes or no on the decision, the people who write the check. And then the third is you have our wonderful folks below the line. And these people are an essential part of the deal cycle because they oftentimes make sure that what you are saying you can do actually works. However, we're going to invert the traditional sales cycle on its head for the golden path. Let's assume that our first meeting actually starts at power. Many people make the mistake of trying to turn an executive in this case, Ali Joen, the new SVP of marketing at Outreach, they try to turn an executive into a champion and they bring them through deal fatigue. And that is the worst idea humanly possible in the world. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna have an awesome discovery call with Ali and we're gonna win power. We're gonna understand her priorities, but then 
we're going to ask for introductions to her department leads. And the reason that we're going to do that is we want to understand how those department leads ladder into her priorities. And we're going to take those things that we learn so that we can ultimately, number three, share the findings that we found with her team and come back to her after having multiple meetings with a fully throttled proposal. So on that note, I love this. And I know you've built out so many more slides like this that like really give detail. You, you know. got this. That's you. Dude, you were supposed to like build out a whole diagram, multiple. Is that supposed to be me? That, that is you. So Nick can't even open Google Slides. Look at the dimples on this man. They're outstanding. Okay, okay. I knew that you were probably going to drop the ball on this. And so, Jeremy, can you get up here, please? Uh, in advance of this, I actually sat down with the team at Outreach, and the rest of this session, Jeremy, I hope you can pull this up for me, we're going to run out of an Outreach success plan, which, if Jeremy will be so kind as to pull this up for me. Well, that's one way to do it. There it is. This is Nick right there. But, ooh, look at that. The TV screen is almost working. There it is. The we first bumper was planned and not that one. But, okay, so we're going to run the rest of this session out of an outreach success plan where we're going to break down the five different phases of this golden path deal process. And it starts with phase one. You cannot make it to phases two, three, four, and five and to close one if you botch phase one. And phase one is that first meeting with the executive. You do not have a ton of time with an exec, and you need to be prepared to run an extremely tightly managed meeting. Let's talk about the keys to success in that first meeting that you have with the SVP of Global Marketing, Armand. This is where most people lose the right to ever, ever, ever come back to this executive, is they run it like a traditional champion-level discovery. Instead, you have to realize that you might have 30 minutes with this executive, which means you probably have 20. So this is the flow of managing executive level discovery. Number one, you have to set a really tight agenda. Number two, you need to prime them on any history you might have had working with them or their team, and also just what you do, because chances are this executive did not do a bunch of research on you before your meeting. Number three, you then need to understand their priorities. Number four, you turn those priorities into problems. And then number five, you drive a sales process and you get out of there. So let's dive into step number one, which is setting that agenda. There's the 90 second rule. The 90 second rule is not how long you wait to eat food off the floor. The 90 second rule is how long you have to demonstrate value and show that you did your research prior to this call. And so what this might sound like is a month ago we met with Allie live and Nick listened to a bunch of podcasts with Allie starring in them. And he made it a point to reference those in the first 90 seconds of the meeting. And the reason for that is Allie's gonna be meeting with a bunch of people who don't know how to run a meeting or they're gonna have all these pleasantries around the weather or the Seattle Convention Center or these other things. And instead what we wanna do is we wanna create a sit up moment in the first 90 seconds that these guys came prepared and aren't going to waste your time. From there, we're not going to build rapport for 17 hours, maybe five, five max. And we're going to go into a simple agenda, not a long-winded agenda, not an overly rigid agenda. Over time, oftentimes people come in overly formal. And so instead, we're just gonna do purpose, plan, outcome. In this case, the purpose of our meeting is we'd love to understand some of the things that are top of mind for you as the new leader of the marketing organization, and the reason for that is we want to make sure that we're supporting you in the right ways at 30 Minutes to President's Club. The way that we're going to plan to spend this session is by understanding what those priorities are, unpacking them, but also giving you a couple examples of where we might be helpful along the way to give you a few ideas. But the outcome at the end of this, we're probably not going to know exactly how we can help you at the end because this is a 20-minute meeting. And so what we may ask for, if it makes sense, is some time to dig in a little bit deeper with your team so that we can come in with a smarter proposal. Does that sound like a plan? 90 seconds demonstrated that we prepared for the call. Another two minutes, the agenda set. And we're almost ready, but not ready yet to cover discovery. Right. There's one quick pulse check that needs to happen before you start asking the other person all of these discovery questions. 
And the reason for that is when you're meeting with an exec, they're on back-to-back-to-back meetings and they have a priority list of 732 different things. And so it's important that you get them oriented around the problem space that you operate in, the typical types of problems that you are equipped to solve. And so you might say something like, hey, you know, Ali, before we get into the conversation, I don't want to assume that you've gotten the full download on who we are and what we do. And I'm, I'm wondering if it might be helpful for me to give like the 45 second summary of like some of the typical areas that we help with. You will always get a yes in this scenario. And what you can do is you can now focus them on the types of problems and the types of things that you typically help with. And now they understand when you start asking questions where those questions are coming from. And you will get way more detailed answers than if you don't do that quick pulse check. So now we're in a place where you're going to say something. We're ready to start discovery at last. Keep in mind, this has only been three or four minutes into the meeting, and now we need to get on with the show. So Allie understands what we do. She understands how the call is going to be spent. And now we need to understand her priorities and her problems. Who has heard of the term running discovery with a point of view? It's a very common piece of conjecture today. Wow, no one? Good. And the reason for that is it's garbage. And the reason for that is oftentimes what most sellers do is they think they need to come into these executive level discovery calls with what's called a point of view. They might do something like looking at their fundraising announcement or a 10K or maybe a podcast. And they'll use that to say some generic question like, you know, typically when I'm talking to a marketing leader, they're either really focused on top of funnel, middle funnel, or bottom of funnel. Which one is it for you? Enlightening. And this is the problem is you've tried to sound smart, but what you don't realize is while champions at the line might not always have a super tight set of priorities, an executive job is to have three or four priorities that they are constantly, constantly reiterating with their team and blocking out any other distractions. And so what we're going to do instead is what's called a contextual point of view. I'm going to take something that I know about Ali. And I'm going to use that as a reason that I am a valid person that she might choose to share her priorities with me. And what that sounds like is we might say, Ali, we know you just stepped in to run the marketing organization call it for the last six months. Usually, whenever we're talking to a new marketing leader, they're doing an audit of everything that's working and not. And they usually have two or three things that they want to solve as quick wins. Would you be open to sharing those things with us? because we want to make sure that we add and support your priorities and don't add to the distractions. From there, I understand the situation Allie's in, and I've demonstrated that I know how to pattern match, but I'm not bucketing her into some generic problem framework so that I can run a pseudo pain funnel on her. From there, Allie's going to share some priorities with us because this is what an executive knows how to do. And what I need to do is I need to turn those priorities into problems, turn the wants into whys. Here's how you turn a want into a why. Allie might say something like, I want to focus more on we're known so much for having these amazing, we are the best in class for all of our abilities to create pipeline. I want to triple down on highlighting the close parts of the outreach suite. That is not a problem. That's a priority. That's something that Allie wants to do. The way that I can turn that into a problem is by asking this type of question. I can say, Allie, that sounds amazing. I totally agree. I use success plans product. It's absolutely amazing. I'm curious. My guess is you didn't wake up yesterday and think, huh, that closed stuff is pretty good. My guess is there was something that you saw or there was a moment when you realized that that should be a priority. I'm curious, when was the moment you realized that you wanted to triple down on the closed side? And almost always you get a story around a deal or a trend or something she saw or an opportunity where she was like, that's what we got to focus on. So what Armand is doing here is he's figuring out the big bucket priorities that Ali, the executive, is focused on. And he's also discovered the driver, the impetus behind these things. Because what we're trying to do is color in what's prompting those priorities and get some detail around them. And the reason that we're doing that is ultimately when we give a pitch, when we give a proposal, we want it to be informed by that stuff that we're pulling at. And so now is when I get to start to dig in deeper and deeper and deeper using my traditional discovery skills. 
And there's a couple that we'll talk about here that I know Arman and I lean on pretty heavily. The first is a really simple one called the playback. Any time that somebody shares a decent riff, a decent chunk of information, they talk for more than 60 seconds, they talk for more than 90 seconds, do not move on to the next question and just keep the conversation going forward. You've got to show, hey, what you're saying goes one e in one ear and I actually listen to what you're saying. And so you might say something like, hey, thanks for sharing that. Do you mind if I play back what I just heard? And then you summarize what you just heard. And almost always the other person will say that's right and add more detail. Or they'll correct you on something you misunderstood. Either is good because you're coloring in your understanding of what they're focused on. So that's the playback. Another tool that I really like to use is called the pile-on. And the reason that you use the pile-on is it's a way to show that you get the other person and you've seen problems like the ones they're talking about before. And the way that might sound is when I hear from Ali, hey, yeah, we really do want to focus more on the close elements of what outreach can do. I'm going to add to that problem and I'm going to say something like, you know, it's amazing you say that. I knew you have so much great stuff for prospecting but I went on your website and I was looking at the success plans functionality you all have, and I'm like, man, more people need to know about that. And what I'll get in return is something like, that's right. We're really trying to promote that piece of us more, and I can now dig in a little bit deeper. And again, this is all meant to fill in the priorities and the focuses of the person that I'm meeting with. By doing this, what you're doing is you are buying yourself more questions. You are turning what is still a series of questions from an interrogation where Ali is oftentimes wondering, is this human void of a, of a person understanding what I'm saying? And what we're doing is we're giving her confirmation of receipt and confirmation of understanding. However, we still cannot run an entire call doing this because all we've done is gotten Ali to share her priorities with us, turn those priorities into problems, and recap what she has shared. And we've told her, hey, we've seen other people like this before. And so what you're going to do is, again, you are still not in a position to do the grand pitch, the massive pitch, but you are in a position to give some one-liner proof points. What that might sound like is short customer stories that remind you of this customer situation. So we might say, Ali, you know, this is really, really interesting. As you talked about getting more people in front of the closed side of the outreach product suite, you know, we were helping a customer the other day and and they had a very similar thing where I got into the part of their suite that they might have been less known for. And I was like, holy smokes, this is really good. And Nick and I actually made the decision to run the entire presentation out of the product that they wanted to represent more. Crazy idea. I don't know if we would ever do something like that for you, but it sounds like that might be something that we've seen before that could work for something like this. From there, at the bottom of every priority and at the bottom of every problem, we're giving a one-liner proof point, and then we're going to the next priority, and then we're going to the next. And what we've done is we've dosed the pitch in preparation for the grand recap. Right. And I'm going to roll all of those one-liner proof points into the grand recap that happens in the last five minutes of this. The last five minutes of any sales meeting, but this one in particular, there are three things that happen. Step one, I've got a recap what I heard in that meeting, what the key problems we heard from you that you were looking to solve and focus on. And then I'm going to give a little teaser of, I think we might be able to help with A and B that you mentioned. I want the other person to know there's something here. But then I'm not pitching more meetings with the exact. You talked about it in the beginning. If I say, Allie, we should meet three more times and show you a demo and do another discovery call, she's going to say, I ain't got time for that, Nick. See you later. That's how she'll say it. That's how she's going to say it. Exactly word for word like that. Adrian, maybe you can confirm for me. Um, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sell the process, the sales process of what happens next. And I'm going to say something like, okay, here's what I heard. I think there might be something here. Do you mind if I share my recommendation for what I think should happen next in terms of exploring solving this with your team? When you use that language, when you use that special word recommendation, you will always get a yes. Of course they want to hear your recommendation. And then I'm going to say something along the lines of, cool, you know, Ellie, typically when I'm talking with an SVP of global marketing, what they'll want me to do next is go meet with their team. We're typically talking to the head of product marketing, 
the head of demand gen and the head of content marketing to learn a little bit more about how they're supporting some of the priorities that you talked about today. And so they'll send me to go have conversations with those folks and then come back to you once I've met with the team with a proposal recommendation for how we can help support the entire team. That's what I think we should do. Does, does that seem right to you? And now I've sold not the product, not the solution, but the process for how I explore the rest of the deal with the team. And now we've almost made it through phase one. Almost. And the reason for that is the call has ended, but many folks in this audience have probably ended a call where an executive said they were going to take a next step and then other things in the world happened. And so the introduction to the department leads is the next step. And we need to make this as easy as humanly possible because Allie is going to be introducing us to the number one, number two, and number three. And she wants to make sure that this is done properly and is a good use of her team's time. And the way that we're going to do that is through this snippet. On the right-hand side is what it actually looks like on a phone. And what we want to do is we want to make this extremely skimmable. And in the bold, what you see are first Allie's three priorities. Number one, Allie wants to focus on fewer bets, more triple downs. In other words, she's doing the state of the union. What's working, what's not. Let's not do 3,000 things. Let's do three things extremely well and triple down on those. Number two, we want to make it feel real. So we have this awesome high-level create and close messaging. How do we create these tangible magic moments around the closed product to make it feel real so you actually understand what it feels like to close inside of Outreach's product? And then lastly, number three, how do we do this not by making a bunch of noise and 50 pieces of content, but with a couple of thunderclaps. 12 pieces of content is noise. Can we do one big collab together and drive back to that over and over and over again? And at the end, there's an explicit ask to Allie. And it says, hey, you mentioned these three people on your team. This email recaps your priorities in our discussion. Would you be comfortable forwarding this email to your department leads? And if you're comfortable CCing us on it. They understand what happened in the first conversation. They understand why we want to meet the department leads. And we've made this as simple as all Allie needs to do is click two buttons and copy paste a blurb down below that explains that she's looking into a partnership and she wants the help from her team. And that's it. We've made this as easy as humanly possible for Allie to move forward. And now, congratulations, folks. You have completed your first executive discovery call. And what that means is there were two milestones as a part of this. And someone's going to have to put their hands up. There you go, not Nick. Because that means you get to chop off two milestones along the way for two people. Ooh. Look at that. Pass it around a little bit. Have fun with it. But don't let it knock down a coffee or anything like that. Can't go that far. Did you go far? Did you knock yeah, it out of the room? Uh, somebody's LaCroix over there. But Oh, there it is. Delight. Okay. Look at that. Just keep going. We're on phase two now. All righty, folks. So that's the end of phase one is we've done our exec level discovery, and let's assume that for the sake of today, we have gotten these introductions to these department leads. And so there were three, if you remember. The three department leads that we needed to get in front of were demand gen, content, and product marketing. And then from there, it's not like we just go right back to Allie. Imagine you're driving a school bus, right? The first stop was Allie. She was like, go run that route. You're gonna come back. What we are not doing is steamrolling people along the way, we actually want to pick up someone along the way in the school bus and find a champion. Because again, Allie is not going to be the person who's on 17 calls with us. We still don't have a champion yet. And so as we have these discussions, we are looking for the person who has the tightest alignment with Allie's priorities in combination with the person who's probably gonna support us the best. Let's say we have this weird guy named Jeremy in demand generation. Maybe we start there. Let's dive in deep on one of these conversations and give you a sense of what it looks like, knowing that we're not going to go deep into all three, but this will give you an example of how you can do champion level discovery. Great. So we've met with the exec. We've met with Allie. Now we're having these three meetings with the department leads. Keep in mind, these meetings, these discovery calls that we're having with the department leads, these directors, I'm not going to run the same way that I run a discovery call that I kick off with 
where I originate the deal with the director. This is a deal that originated at the exec level, not a deal that is originating at the director level. So these calls are actually going to be run a little bit differently because I already have the exec's blessing to explore this with the team and then actually remove some of the pressure on me to sell and pitch and show a demo of what I'm doing. These are pure, pure discovery calls. So this should be really fun for you as a salesperson. And what I'm trying to do in these meetings are a couple things. I'm sharing with these department leads, hey, here's what I heard from the executive. Here's the priorities that I heard. I'm also then trying to color in my perspective and their perspective on those priorities and problems. And then along the way, I'm trying to build a relationship because my goal, my sub goal during this, this phase is I wanna get a champion. I wanna see, is there someone on my side that can be my home for when we ultimately sell this deal who can make sure that this thing works? And so the way that I'm kicking these meetings off is when I sit down with Jeremy, I'm gonna say something along the lines of, Jeremy, thank you for meeting with me today. To give you some context for why we're here, I met with Allie a couple weeks ago and we had a good discussion around some of the big things that she's focused on for the next couple of quarters. She asked me to meet with you and a couple of your teammates to understand your perspective on some of those things and sort of add to the other stuff that you're focused on. Um, so my whole goal today is to like understand the key stuff that you're homed in on for the next quarter or two. Um, I guess, would it be helpful for me to share the stuff that I learned from Allie maybe as a starting point for today's conversation? And now what I'm doing is I'm sharing, hey, here's the three big things that I heard. Keep adding more. Pile on for me. And all of this now is going to inform what ultimately happens when I give that pitch, when I give that proposal, et cetera. And maybe along the way, I, I share some good times with you, Jeremy, and I pick up somebody who's ultimately going to help me sell this deal and be my champion. But there's a key step that I cannot forget. Otherwise, the deal will crumble like a cookie that I saw you eating before this session. This is correct, not that, but the other piece, which is, this is when people oftentimes turn a multi-threaded sale into a single-threaded sale, is you have two points of contact, and now you get back into your traditional bad sales habit of being like, oh, I'm running a champion-based sale. And this is not the case. We are not making Jeremy the school bus driver. We're bringing him along for the ride so he can help us sell later on. And so what we need to do is preserve our relationship with power. Step number one is we're going to recap our conversation with Jeremy. And what that might look like is actually really similar to what we sent to Allie. You'll notice that these priorities are very much framed in the same vein of the exec level priorities that we had earlier. Number one, he wants to triple down on the closed. Number two, make it feel real. Number three, thunderclaps. But in the text, it explains how demand gen specifically helps support those priorities. And so what we've done is we've overlaid the two priorities. But then where the magic starts to happen is if we go to what we send to Allie. It looks almost identical as well. And what you'll see is it's still the triple down on the close, the make it feel real, the thunderclaps. And what Allie is now seeing is she's seeing her priorities and she's seeing her team support those priorities and add on and make them feel real. What we're doing is again, we're getting people on board with the path that she initially helped us carve, but we're expanding on those priorities. And at the bottom, there's an explicit call out that said there's no action for you, but if anything seems off track, let us know. And if something seems off track, she will jump in because she doesn't want us to waste time with the number one, two, three, four in the organization. But by not responding, there's an implicit buy-in that we're on the right track. And oftentimes what you'll get as a confirmation is you'll get a two word answer. Looks great. Sounds good. Someone said in the audience. And that means we have a green light to keep proceeding so that we don't have a 25 minute conversation that disappears for three weeks. Great. And so what's happened now is we had that first meeting with Jeremy. We sent those two recaps. We're going to run the same process when we meet with the content marketing team and we meet with the product. And at this point, I've had a couple conversations, right? We met with Allie for that first meeting. We met with the department leads. And I have a pretty good perspective now. I've had no discovery calls on the problems. And I'm in a place that I could give a pretty good proposal. I could go back to Allie and say, here's your proposal. And it would do pretty good. But I know we're not about pretty good. We were about pretty great, actually. And what I'm going to want to do as a step in between 
these discovery calls and the business recommendations is I want to get with my champion and have them help me refine my proposal. And so what I'm going to do is I might pick up my phone and call Jeremy and say, Jeremy, I'm going to be meeting with Allie next week, and I put together a proposal, and I really want to make sure that I do a good job here. And I'm wondering if you might be open to sitting down with me for like 20, 30 minutes just to help me make sure that I've got the positioning and the narrative of this thing right. Would you be open to that? And if I did a good job being a nice guy to Jeremy, well, then he's going to help me with this. And what he's going to help me do, because what I'm going to share with him is, hey, here's my recap of the problems that I heard. Here's my recap of what we are going to try to sell to you. Here's the solution. And here's what it's going to cost. Here's the commercials. And Jeremy can help let me know. He can inform me if I'm totally off base with this stuff. And it's going to help me refine my pitch, my positioning that much better. That's the worst case scenario Jeremy helps me refine. The best case scenario is I get somebody who is bought in on this solution. He's just so excited about what we're going to do together that he says, man, let me help you. Let me coach you. And I might even say, Jeremy, you're a pretty good salesperson. Maybe you should come to this meeting also. So it's not me and Armand selling together because trust me, it's really just me selling. He just sits there smiling. I get Jeremy as another salesperson in that meeting. The best salesperson in the world is your customer selling to their colleagues. And that is what I am going to do to make sure that I nail phase three. The last piece of phase two, mister, oh, is... Fuck. Whoops. There are three landmines that we want to trip. We want to trip the problem landmine. We talked about the wrong problems. We came up with the wrong solution or we came up with the wrong price. And ideally what happens at the end of this is Jeremy has already flagged anything that's going to explode in this meeting. And now we're almost ready for phase three to your point. But before then, I believe that we just completed a one, two and three meetings in a row. And so just make sure if you're on your phone, you're not on your phone anymore. And then lastly, number three, but number four for our champion that we found uh, along the way, you get to pop one to the audience. He's like, all right, people have, have had enough uh, coffee spills. There it is. Boom. Woo! Alrighty, folks. So that marks the end of your phase number two, which is your discovery with the department level leads. And naturally, the thing that we've been building up to is the golden path back to power. And there are a couple pieces of nailing the business recommendations. Specifically, we cannot talk about the proposal and solution alignment before we talk about problem and priority alignment. We need to explain, this is what we found with your team. This is how they support your priorities. Has anything changed? Does this look good? Because if it does not, we cannot talk about a solution because the solution should be attaching and laddering into the priorities that we've been carrying throughout this multi-week, multi-month sales cycle. Right. Who here remembers how many times we've met with Allie in this sales cycle? Anyone know? Once. One time. We literally met for like 22 minutes and we've sent these recap emails and it's important, similar to that that we're doing in that first discovery call, that we reorient the executive around, hey, these were the problems. And so the way that I kick this meeting off is I'm going to give the primer on, hey, Let's do a recap of what we heard from you. But then let's color that in with, you had me meet with the team. Let me show you what I heard from them that aligns with those problems and priorities. And it's one thing for me to say it verbally like I am right now. It's another thing for me to pull up real quotes of what I heard from the team. And what I might do is using the outreach success criteria here, document the things that I heard from the team, what Jeremy said, what Blair said, what Liz said, and pull that in and show, hey, here's what I heard from your team and how that ladders into the problems that you told me you want to solve. And what this does is this is showing visually, I met with your team. They are saying things that these problems exist. We want to solve them. And this is a very powerful way to visually represent the problems that we've heard from you. And if I, if I do this right, we'll get it. Yeah, that's right. These are the things that we're focused on. And now I have the right to present my business recommendation. That's right. And so we've showed that these priorities that oftentimes an executive is trying so hard to just get their team on board with, we're showing that everyone is laddering in support to those priorities. And now we are finally ready to ladder one more thing into those priorities. And that is actually where the deal stands today. 
is this was a real conversation that happened with Ali at Dreamforce about a month ago. And this is how the first conversation went. And what we realized is we found those three priorities and those were actually in large part Ali's priorities. And we said, hey, we can't come up with this master plan for 2024 yet, but there are probably some things that we can do right away that support and ladder into these priorities. So we talked to Jeremy, our champion, and we said, hey, what if to make the close part even more real, what if we ran this whole session out of your success plan product? And that was a decision that was actually made three weeks ago, just to start to support some of these priorities. Number two, you might remember that her third priority was thunderclaps. In other words, do a big session and drive back to it over and over and over again. So it's not just about these phones that are around the room that are gonna be capturing a lot of this footage. It's also what's on your phones. So everyone pull out your phone for a second and don't use it to take a picture of the cheesecake card or whatever it is, right? I saw some folks pulling out their phone already and they were trying to take a picture of like the emails that we're drafting up and it was like, there's no way you're gonna be able to see it on the screen if you're in the audience and stuff like that. And so instead, everyone go to 30mpc.com backslash unleash. And what you'll find there is you will, number one, find all of the steps of the golden path outlined that you can follow with your teams back at home. But also, every single email that we've sent and written throughout the session has been templatized so you can send your exec discovery, you can send your champion recap, and your exec one-to-one -one recap afterwards. What we're trying to do is create multiple lines of joy that happen after one session. And what I can tell you is right now, I don't really know what's to come from 2024, but this is just a start of what the crawl, walk, run could look like. And so on that note, I believe that marks the end of the deal cycle. There are other phases in this deal that will be captured in that outline, like uh, commercial discussions and vendor review and red lines, but we try not to talk about red lines because they're really boring and no one loves, loves those. But folks, on that note, that is the end. It's been 30 minutes to President's Club and we have, I think about 10 minutes or so for questions. So let's roll it. Wait, and if you ask a question, you get a beach ball. But also, we've got uh, some mics in the back. Please wait to ask your question until you have a mic because uh, Armand is, I don't know. We want to make sure we hear what, what you say. Pass it around, yeah. Hi there. Um, so after you have your executive meeting, what if they want you to meet with all the champions at the same time? Or if they're like, oh, the champions are like, oh, let's just all have the same meeting and learn at the same time. Yeah. Um, I've actually dealt with that fairly recently. It's not ideal, right? And what you need to do is you need to explain, like, probably not the best thing because you're going to have all of these people who are going to have different functions who are focused on different things, and it's not going to be the most effective meeting. That said, there's times that that's all you can get, and that's what you need to take. And what your goal in that meeting is going to need to be is you need to give those three people, because you're only gonna have 30 minutes with those folks. You don't even wanna have an hour long call with three people with different functions. What you should be doing is go into that meeting, set the table, like we talked about with Jeremy. Hey, I met with Ellie. She asked me to meet with all of you. Um, and then almost pitch it to them as like, let me give you like the quick primer, like we talked about earlier. But that meeting should really just be focused on, hey, let me hear from you all. And then your recommendation at the end, have that full discovery call, do your best. But then if you do a good job there sharing the one-liner proof points, showing that you are actually are listening and you respect their time, try to end that meeting a little bit early and make that recommendation of like, folks, I, I feel like the right next thing would be for me to meet with maybe Jeremy and Blair, Liz. I feel like I got what I needed from you today, but like, I feel like there's more for us to talk about. And that's how you can expand those discovery calls. One thing that wasn't captured there was like we showed we had three discovery calls, but I might meet with Jeremy two or three times because there's more and more and more to talk about. So that's one strategy you could use. I deflated this one a little bit. I apologize. So um. yeah, the other thing that I'll add on this one is oftentimes it's not an explicit ask from the executive for you to meet with all three people at the same time. What will happen is we'll send that blurb and they'll add three people to the chain. So way number one, to prevent that is to sell the process live and explain that it's best had when we meet with them each separately. But still, you'll sometimes get the triple CC. And my favorite thing to do is to reply all 
and I'll be like, thanks so much for the introductions, Ali. It's great to meet all of you. I'll be following up with each of you one-on-one -on -one to set up time. And I'll actually assume that that is what Ali wants us to do unless she explicitly corrects us. And I've never had that blow up in my face. Where were the mics? You pick. I'm going to let you pick. All right, he's got the mic already. Uh, Speak away. Um, so I really think this is very contingent on the uh, Eve executive buyer introducing you to those department heads. Um, let's say you follow the process, you send that email, the ghost, uh, but they, you're waiting for that ghost-written email, right? Your executive is, you know, lacking. There's a compelling event, for example, that prevents them from introducing you to the department heads. What are some techniques you have to really get their attention to just go send that email to to those department heads? Yeah. So the question is, okay, they say they're going to do this thing. We've made it easy for them, but still nothing. Okay. So there are a couple of lines of defense per se, right? The first line is oftentimes you can like with champions, a lot of people will talk about keep prospecting the account or go up to power and all that stuff, right? You want to be a little bit careful with that kind of stuff when you just met with the executive. Because you got to keep in mind they run the entire organization. Okay. So step number one is you usually just have to have a couple of different nudges. And with executive nudges, extremely short, right? We're talking like second email, still open to making those introductions. And I've seen Nick on these threads where we'll typically take the exec discovery calls together. And Nick will usually run the follow-up. And he'll have two or three follow-ups that are each like two words long. And inevitably, the first two follow-ups almost always don't get a response. The last one that he'll usually send is a, hey, we know other things like get on the radar. Do you still want us to meet with your team? And nine times out of 10, that will work. And so you go from nudge, nudge, polite nudge, et cetera, to a little bit of loss aversion, right? And then eventually, if you find that this truly, truly isn't working again, you can start to reprospect the account. But usually after three or four, you can get something like that done. It's, it's key to make it as easy as humanly possible for them to refer you to someone else without being annoying, that individual. Speaking of annoying, I think we had some others. Somewhere right in the center right here. There we go. Great question, by the way. Hey guys, um, question on if you started with the champion level uh, and you're struggling to, they're kind of boxing out the exact uh, sponsor meeting and whatnot, how would you guys approach that to make sure that you do get in front of it, knowing that that's probably a landmine in the future? Um, assuming that there's a different process going with champions first. Tell me tell me more about what's going on. Um, let's say uh, you're talking to the director level. You know that the CFO is going to be kind of like the decision maker at the end. They're, you're like, hey, I'd love to get in front of your decision maker. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. We'll maybe do that in the future. Um, and you just know that it's str you're struggling to kind of get there. Curious if you have thoughts on like how you kind of get around that to make sure that that's not going to find at the end where you're like, we never had buy-in from the exec sponsor. So you're in a scenario where you've not yet met with the exec. You've got a director level, what you're calling champion, who I don't know if I would call a champion because they're not actually taking you through the process, but you've got a contact who's at the director level. There's like a whole host of things that I would talk about how you can solve that i think one thing i would encourage you to think about is the language that you said we'd love to meet with your cfo we'd love to show this to your cfo of course you'd love to do that i wouldn't say love to unless it's valentine's day what i would recommend is anytime you are asking something of your customer whether that's to get to an exec whether that's to uh, have a meetings with people, whether that's to show somebody a demo, whether that's to show them a proposal, whether that's to meet with sales ops. Anytime you are asking your customer to take action, you need to explain why it is in their best interest to take that action. And when you say love to, you make it seem like this optional part of the process and you don't give them any insight into why it's important. And so when I'm asking to meet with somebody, I'm saying, I I'm going to say something like, hey, you know, Armand, you and I have had a couple meetings here thus far, and I feel like we're in a, in a decent spot. You know, usually when somebody's evaluating something like this, 
Um, their CFO is going to want to take a look at how we do A and B because that usually has implications for how they do X and Y of their job, right? Whatever the reason, there's a reason you need to meet with the CFO that I think is beyond just you want to get your, your deal linked. And so anytime you ask somebody to do something, you need to give them the, the why behind that ask and why it's in their best interest. So that's like, I think, the more meta um, advice for any ask you have of your customer. You might have more to add. Yeah, there are two no nuances that I'll add is there's the nuance of what happens early cycle versus mid cycle, right? So what you described is you've had two, three, four calls with this champion, right? And you believe them to be a champion. And now because there's this relationship, there's this tough friction of I've had four or five calls with this person and now I have to go over their head. That's actually much harder than early in your sales cycle. So the way to solve this early in your sales cycle is you do not have a champion until you have a champion who's proven that they are a champion. And a champion is someone who both can and is willing to be a champion. Can means they have the political capital to introduce you to power. Will means that they're willing to do it. And so it's not like this person you met with them and in that first discovery call, you should stop all of your other outreach sequences keep working the account until that person has proven to you that they're willing to bring you through the buying process, ensure that buying process early in the sales cycle, oftentimes in the first discovery call, so they know where it's going. But then the second piece is, Nick is, is totally right on selling the process. The last little trick that I'll give you that helped me a lot, and this is oftentimes what Nick and I will do, or I did with my CEO, Matt, when I was VP of sales over at PAVE, or my reps would do it with me, is they would want to preserve their relationship with the champion. And they would explicitly keep me or my CEO out of the meetings entirely. And the reason for that is when I get pulled into those meetings, I'm now operating at the champion level too. And so one thing you can do is as your sales cycle heats up, have your executive send an exec to exec note, just putting it on their radar and opening up the line saying, hey, I'm the CRO of blah, 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 right? Johnny on my team met with blah, blah, blah on your team said it went great. I just wanted to open the line of communication and support early on in case you needed anything from me. Now what I can do is later in the sales cycle, before I need it, I can ask my CEO, my CRO, or my VP of sales to go back and reply to that. So do it before you need it because the preventative or rather the, uh, the backwards measures trying to fix multi-threading is a lot harder than just preventing it overall. I already gave a little baseball, don't worry. Okay, good. I was thinking about that. Yeah. We got one more question. Who wants it? You look like you're ready. Yeah. So what happens if the uh, if the exec holds on to it and doesn't want you to engage the team, which is focused on a real deliverable that needs to get out? How do you how do you swing back that that door then? Tell me more about that question. Tell me about what's going on. Well, you have a call with the exec. Somehow you get introduced, you meet them, and they have a call. They're curious. They want to hear kind of what's happening out in the marketplace, what you do. And they say, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. Um, we've got a bunch of things going on right now. Let me think about it. And if you want to uh, circle back with me mm -hmm. um, uh, in, you know, in a few months or a few weeks in the next quarter, yeah. um, be, you know, feel free to do that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you hit it right. So the original, I'm glad that Nick clarified because there are two ways your question could have gone in the beginning. The first is this will literally happen, especially if you get like a very top-down executive where they're like, I'm going to run the buying process. They're like, you don't need to meet with this person. You don't need to meet with this person. I literally met once with the CEO of a, a very large company and they took their team off the thread. And they were like, you don't need to meet with this person, this person, and this person. I'm going to drive this through. Okay? So that's a different scenario. In those scenarios, we need to sell the process, but in reverse. Right? Where I might choose to maintain my relationship as the executive with the executive. But I need to sell them on, hey, you've seen all of your software churn in the past. Nine times out of ten, it's when one person's making a decision and forcing it on the team and you realize something doesn't actually work or people don't actually want to use it. If you really want to do this, the way to make your team actually use it 
is to get them involved in the process before steamrolling them with this thing that you want to do with us as much as I would love to send you a contract today. That's right. And so he was talking about the change management conversation. You need to lead the conversation with the employees, which is actually what you do in the other scenario, right? And so what was your name? Arash. So in this situation where they just say, look, I'm not interested, what that usually means is they either A, have other things on their plate, right? So you didn't get to the right priorities. Or B, maybe you can support their priorities, but because you're another vendor, because you stepped in at the wrong time, what have you, right? It wasn't real enough to them, fast enough. And so what you actually need to do is run the backwards motion now. So the number one seller in your organization is who? The champions, the lieutenants, the number of one, two, three. And so what I need to do is if Ali is like, I meet with you for 15 minutes, I'm on my phone, I'm multitasking, there's no way I got a million things going on. What I need to do is I need to go win up Jeremy and the content marketing lead and the product marketing lead. And I need to get them to be like, Ali, when you meet with these guys again, this is something to pay attention to. And that's how I can actually come back to that executive. Because if I just deal with the call me in six months fiasco, I'm, I'm literally like just in three months, they're gonna say the exact same thing. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes.